The reading this evening is from Luke chapter 13, starting at verse 22. Luke chapter 13, starting at verse 22, which is on page 1047 on the Church Bibles. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west, and north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus, and said to him, Leave this place, and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons, and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow, and the next day, for surely... No prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, You will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Chris, very much. Uh, Now, I'd just like you to imagine it's a lovely summer's day. And you're going for a walk along the beach, and you're just getting to that part of the beach where there are some cliffs. And uh, the sea is pretty close to the cliffs, and uh, there's about a couple of hundred meters of this sea up close to the cliffs that you need to negotiate uh, before you get to some further beach a little bit bit way down. And you ask, with a group of friends, and you stop and you ask each other, is there sufficient time to get to the next bit of beach? 
before the sea is right up crashing against the cliffs. Is there enough time to get there? Wrong question. Actually, what you need to ask is, uh, uh, is the tide coming in or out? Because obviously if it's coming in, you might have, say, 10 minutes, and you wouldn't want to do that. But if the tide's going out, you've probably got about 10 hours to do that 200 meters or so. Or take another example. You're uh, taking your dog for a walk up on the downs, and you come across an old man slumped to the ground. He looks really uncomfortable, and you ask him if he's comfortable or not, and he doesn't say much, doesn't say anything, actually. So you shift him around to make him more comfortable, and then you decide it really, you really ought to be dialing 999. So you do. The first question they ask is the patient breathing. So you thought, in your mind, you'd ask the question, is he comfortable or not? Actually, the question you should have asked is, is he breathing? Well, this evening, just have a look at the passage there in Luke chapter 13 and verse 23. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? A question that we might say was, uh, will the saved be few? Again, wrong question. And Jesus doesn't really answer it. Instead, he asked one of his own. Will the saved be you? Let's pray as we come to God's word now. Father, is a fundamental question. And we do pray very much you'll help us to understand Jesus to understand your word tonight. For his name's sake, we pray. Amen. So, we are, will the saved be few? Will the saved be you? So, this evening we're going to be looking at, especially the first part of that passage. We will look at 31 to 35 a little bit as well, but I want to really focus on verses 22 to 30. And we're going to be looking at the saved and the unsaved. And there are quite a few surprises. And this evening may make you feel somewhat uncomfortable, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So the first thing I want to do is to look at the saved. The saved. And we see here that Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. Um, as it says in verse 22, Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And then in verses 31 to 35, it's clear he's heading to Jerusalem, that he's going to make sure that nothing's going to prevent him from getting to Jerusalem. And he knows the end of verse 33, for instance, that he's going to die in Jerusalem. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Well, let's go back to verse 33, uh, 23 there. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? We've no idea who asked the question. Probably just one of the crowd, probably Jewish. And they thought that uh, all Jewish people were going to go to heaven apart from a, just a few really bad people. And they probably just want Jesus to agree with them. Only a few people are going to be saved. And it's going to be you, the Jewish people. 
And most people we know will think in a very similar kind of way. People like us are going to go to heaven and it's only going to be a few really bad people who won't. That's what a huge number of people, that's what many, many, many millions, billions of people in this world think. People like us will go to heaven and it's just a few really bad people who won't. You know, people like mass murderers and rapists, they won't make it, but people like us will. So, for instance, when there was a, um, an unbelieving showbiz comedian dies and someone on TV or radio will almost always say, heaven will now be a happier place. Rubbish. On all sorts of fronts. And actually dangerous rubbish at that. You know, that whole idea, people like us go to heaven and the hell is reserved for really bad people like mass murderers and rapists. And so many people think that. But is that really true? And I guess many of us here will think along similar kinds of lines from time to time. But Jesus uh, replies to this man, to this question, and he doesn't actually answer the question directly. This is, yeah. The question is, uh, it's just people like us who go to heaven, isn't it, Jesus? That's the question, really. And he doesn't really answer that. He just says, well, the question is, the important thing is, will the saved be you? So the saved, let's think about the saved. And the first thing we see about the saved is that they, they know Jesus. So look at verses 24 and 25. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few going to be saved? He said to them, not really answering the question. And he says in verse 24, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Now that's chilling, isn't it? That's really chilling. The saved know Jesus. And Jesus is saying here, on the day of judgment, they will have Jesus say to them, so these people here will have the Jesus saying to them the most horrifying words ever. Look at the end of verse 25. Some will have Jesus say to them, I don't know you or where you come from. The saved know Jesus. They've entered through the narrow gate and they know Jesus. I, uh, I read just recently about a, a Christian pastor who was having coffee in a coffee shop and he saw a, a, a Korean girl, as it happened, um, sitting there um, reading a Bible. And he just asked her if she was a Christian, to which she replied, oh, yes, I've found the narrow way, which is a rather unusual way of putting it, isn't it? Um, and actually, I think it's a great way of saying I'm a Christian. I've found the narrow way. And Jesus says here, uh, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. The narrow door, which leads to the narrow way. Now, what does that mean? Now, I imagine we're all very familiar with grand entrances. 
uh, to some degree, our west door here is quite a grand entrance. It's not just the doors, it's the surrounding and so on. Everything focusing into the, uh, the entrance at the west end of the church down there. Uh, cathedrals, you go to uh, many cathedrals. They have enormous wooden doors at the west end of the building. Uh, the biggest doors in the church by far fit for a grand entrance. But Jesus speaks of the door to heaven. He said, it's in, and he's saying, look, it's not a place with massive, great, big doors. It's that little one over there, just down in the corner. That's the entrance. He's saying it's like going in through the fire exit. That little door over there, the narrow way, the narrow door, is probably also a low door through which you would squeeze humbly. It's a door that you can't get through when you're taking with you suitcases or a huge great big rucksack because there isn't room for you and your stuff. The door that admits the humble, the door that admits the unassuming. And Jesus makes every effort. He says to us, I want you to make every effort to enter through the narrow door. And when he says every effort, the word is agonizomai in the original. So he's saying agonize to get through the narrow door. Throw off every sin and the cares of this world which weigh us down and squeeze through the narrow door which leads to life, to new life with Jesus. And many try to enter, Jesus says, well, they've got too much baggage. They've got too much stuff with them. They're laid down with uh, all this stuff they're carrying with them. And they can't get through. Maybe possessions or sins which mean so much and we won't leave them behind. And we can't get through that narrow door with them. And Jesus is saying, it's a narrow door. You've got to leave the rubbish behind because you can't take it with you. Come through the narrow door, the narrow gate. And there you will find that because Jesus went to Jerusalem, and because he died for you and for me, that barrier between us and God is now removed so that we can know each other personally, forever. And Jesus says, you come to that new life. You go through the narrow door to the new life, to live the narrow way. Remember the Korean girl. And you do that when you humble yourself and you duck down. And you leave the rubbish of your old life behind, taken by Jesus. And you squeeze through that narrow door to an eternal life where you know Jesus personally and he knows you personally. I don't know the Queen. I know plenty about her. I've watched The Crown, series one and two. After that, I got a bit, oh, really? And uh, I watched the first two series with Anna. I've seen the Queen. I had to go to a service at Westminster Abbey once, and the Queen was there. At least I saw at the top of her head. And, uh, and I've seen hundreds of photos and TV programs, and uh, I guess I know quite a lot about her. But I don't know her. I've never had a conversation with her. And sure as anything, she doesn't know me. If you asked her, she'd say, Phil Moon? Phil who? 
But with Jesus, whoever you are, if you humble yourself and duck down, and squeeze through that narrow door, you come to new life. Because Jesus died for you, your sins have been forgiven, and you meet Jesus, and you know Jesus, and Jesus knows you. The saved know Jesus personally. And they're a diverse bunch. They don't all look the same. They're not all from the same place. They haven't got the same background. They're a very diverse bunch. Just look at verse 29. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. From all over. All over the world. All down history. And not like us at all. And there will be surprises. So look at verse 30. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and the first will be last. As Jesus yet again turns the world's values upside down, and back to front and inside out. And so it's actually the people who are going to be in heaven are those who know me, and those I know. And there will be some surprises. I wonder if you'd like to make a little mental list of those who uh, you kind of, you know, your top five people you'd expect to be in heaven. And I guess your list may well include, um, I'm sure some of us will have thought, oh, Mother Teresa, maybe the Pope or the Archbishop of Canterbury, or someone like a great social reformer, slave trader, William Wilberforce. How about John Newton, uh, the guy, uh, converted slave trader who wrote Amazing Grace? Or maybe some people are more up to date. So maybe one of those great Christian leaders, Billy Graham. Or for uh, these in this, in, this, um, in this century, perhaps John Piper, the American Christian leader. Or maybe your favorite worship leader, uh, Matt Redman or Jones. They will be there only if they've entered through the narrow door. Only if they've stooped down, squeezed through, leaving their stuff behind, trusting in Jesus, squeezed through the narrow door, and now they know Jesus personally. So the saved know Jesus. And the second thing we see about the saved is they have a place at the table. Look at verse 29. People will come from east and west and south and north and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. It's a picture of heaven. The Bible talks quite a lot about heaven, like a feast. It seems to be here as well, a feast with places. There's a kind of table plan worked out, if you like. It's not like a cafeteria. You know, it's far, it's far grander than that. Um, this is not some kind of relaxed free-for-all. This is prepared. It's organized. It's chosen. For those who stop and squeeze through the narrow door, who know Jesus personally, have a place prepared at the feast in heaven. Now, what a comfort that is for the bereaved to know that those who have gone before us know Jesus. Jesus knows them. He's there with them. They're there with him. And what a joy to know that uh, if we know Jesus, there's a seat at the banquet with your name on it. What extraordinary assurance that is. And this evening is meant to reassure and make comfortable 
people who are genuine believers. I think it's also designed to make uncomfortable those who are not. So the saved know Jesus and have a place at the table. Will the saved be few? Will the saved be you? So that's the saved. But let's also have a look at the unsaved. And the first thing to say, Jesus says, are many. He says, look in verse 24, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Many try to squeeze through the narrow door with their own baggage, the cares of the world, and all the rest of it, but they're unwilling to leave behind their old life and they can't get through. And they'll still be surprised when Jesus has to say to them, verse 25, I don't know you or where you come from. I don't even know where you come from. He repeats it in verse 27, doesn't he? I don't know you. Or where you come from, away from me, all you evildoers. And Jesus says, there'll be many, many in that situation, many, desperate to get in, but the gates are locked, and they're locked out forever. The tragedy of Afghanistan at the end of August is still going on. But how moving was it for us as we watched the television pictures and just saw so many desperate to leave the country, but the gates were locked and they had to stay there where they were. And it's been on our hearts. I guess in some ways it's maybe fading a bit, but the situation there is still awful. And I have to say, the fate of those who don't know Jesus, but they still think they are saved, is unfathomably worse than facing the Taliban. And what are we to do about that? Do we care? Do we care about the situation in Afghanistan? But do we care about the situation... Our friends who don't know Jesus, do we care enough to pray? Do we care enough to invite them to hear on a Sunday night? Do we care enough to talk to them? The unsaved, it says, are many. We see them all day long, don't we? At work. Well, I don't, but many of us will see them at work. And we need to help them, don't we? What can you do? Commit yourself to pray for a kickoff. We meet at seven o'clock on Zoom on Wednesday night because we wanted to pray about our witness, about telling people about Jesus. And we're going to carry on doing it every Wednesday just for 30 minutes. It's a little feeble, isn't it? But it's better than nothing because we want to pray. Do join me. 7 o'clock Wednesday. Maybe you'd want to 
be praying particularly for some individuals. Come on Wednesday and we'll pray together about some friends of yours or family or whatever. The unsaved are many and it gives me no pleasure whatsoever to have this passage to talk about. I think the next heading is wrong. <laughs> it says that the unsaved are religiously evil. Uh, I, I think it would be true to say that some are, but not all of the unsaved. They are certainly include here religious people who are evil, though. There'll be many religious people unsaved. They may be preachers. Maybe preachers to thousands. They may include Sunday school teachers, mission partners, vicars, bishops. They may include small group leaders. may include someone hanging around, say, the fringes of KO. may include people from Christian families. They may be worship leaders. They may be church council members. They may work for a mission agency. The list is just endless. And verse 26, then you will say we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. Seems to include some who actually met Jesus and had dinner with Jesus. Some who maybe said, well, Jesus taught at our town, so we must be saved. Some who thought that, you know, seeing Jesus just counted, like me seeing the top of the queen's head. That counts for me knowing her. It doesn't, does it? Some uh, same desperate response from Jesus on the day of judgment. Verse 27, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. Evildoers? But these are in our terms, uh, people who include nice, respectable churchgoers, those who thought they'd be first to qualify for eternal life. Turns out they're the last. But evil? Why does Jesus say evildoers? That's a bit strong, isn't it? Well, Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor through classes, nor through political parties, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. If we fail to get through the narrow door because of all the baggage, because of all the stuff we refuse to let go of and to leave on the outside, it proves that our lives are run with different priorities. And the priority is not Jesus, that Jesus is not the top of our list, that we have refused to come, humbly come to him it's just showing that you're the king or your stuff's the king. Those baggage. Narrow doors, a humble door. Just says you haven't humbled yourself to go through it. And you may seem so upright and acceptable and downright nice. Where's your heart? And who are you serving in life? Away from me, Jesus says. All you evil doers. And you know what you need to do? Set down the baggage. Admit you can't do life on your own. 
Admit that you need Jesus as your Lord and your King and your Master. And crawl through the narrow door for eternal life. Coming to Jesus. The unsaved are many. Some of them are religiously evil. Tragically. Desperately. They're thrown out. Verse 28. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves thrown out the greatest tragedy. But do note who said this first. It was Jesus, unmistakably the most loving person ever to walk this earth. And not just the anguish of the weeping and gnashing of teeth uh, when you realize what's happened. But let's see here the clear awareness of it. They see, verse 28, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. All the prophets in the kingdom of God. And they would have expected to be with them. But they're thrown out. There's a bishop of the 19th century, J.C. Ryle, said, Hell itself is nothing but truth known too late. And why? Why are they thrown out? Because they never squeezed through the narrow door. They never humbled themselves. They never came to Jesus for sins forgiven. They never knew Jesus personally. And Jesus never knew them. What a tragedy. Will the saved be few? Will the saved be you? Let's pray together. Father, that is a a really difficult and unbelievably somber passage. But we believe it's true. Be much more convenient if it wasn't. But Lord, we believe this is true and we believe that's such an important question for everyone here tonight, for everyone, full stop. Will the saved be you? And we pray, Lord, that we may answer that question honestly. And if the answer is yes, then that would give us great joy and great assurance. If the answer is I'm not sure, We pray, Lord, that through talking with others and through reading and praying and so on, we would become sure. And if the answer is no, then, Lord, please help us to act on that with huge urgency and to get down on our knees before you and enter through the narrow door, we pray. For Jesus' sake. Amen.